Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. So the last time we chatted to this incredible lady, we were right in the middle of a pandemic. It was a strange old time, but we had the most beautiful conversation. And actually, three years on, we haven't had a conversation around pelvic health. So we are so excited uh, to welcome back. I mean, she's done incredible things since we had her on. Not saying it's, you know, because she came on the podcast, but it's publication (laughs) day today. She's now an author of Strong Foundations, Why Pelvic Health Matters. Please welcome Claire Bourne to the podcast. Yay! Yay! The funniest thing is, Last time we chatted three years ago, we were all recording in our bedrooms and we are still here recording in our bedrooms. So everything's changed and not much has changed. Yeah, everyone's a bit older. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a massive day for you today, publication day. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a really it's been a really odd week. The only way I could explain it to people is like a bit like in those run up to your wedding day, where you're a bit like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting, lots going on, and also the end of pregnancy where you're like, are we not done with this yet? <laughs> Can mm. this not just be birthed into the world so it's been a bit bit of a combination but today I'm just so excited I just think I can't believe this day has happened and is here and the writing process takes so long and the whole process of it and I'm just really excited to share this information and hopefully help more people. Yeah, so before we sort of get on to the questions, as as you can imagine we've had loads because pelvic health is such a huge topic on Made by Mummers. Do you want to just give us a little insight in what we can expect from the book? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it, first of all, it just explains what pelvic health is, because I think so many of us are still a bit like, what is that? So it just talks about kind of the basics of the pelvis area. So we really get to know our anatomy because so many women I meet in clinic are still like, where's that? Where's that? What does that do? And mm. then it goes on a whole journey from childhood. So looking at some like kind of essentially how we get connected with our pelvic health as children through potty training, through just kind of our bladder and bowel habits. It goes through the teenagers, you know, things like those habits at school where you sort of become aware, you become more self-conscious, you don't want to poo because you think people are going to know you. You're doing a poo those habits we can get into holding on starting to have sex what that whole kind of time of our life is like before we then move on to perinatal period like pregnancy it goes to the whole of pregnancy into birth recovery and then we transition up from that into menopause and just kind of kind of like midlife and beyond and it goes through to kind of talking about falls when we're 80s 90s so it is literally the lifespan of what I really think we should all be educated about. I can't wait to read this I mean I cannot wait to get my hands on a copy because obviously you know we, we, we've discussed this a lot Georgia and I but and mm. and you know, you and I, Claire, as well, yeah. about it has been such a big, um, I, I, not sadness, but challenge post, mm. you know, giving birth to the kids that my pelvic 
floor just hasn't hasn't done its job or I haven't done well by my pelvic floor and it was an area that I just neglected you know we, we've spoken about the 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 care in places like France that women receive after they have kids and it's just not the same here they kind of go right off you go get on with it and the next minute you're leaking on, on a on you know on a trampoline yeah. <laughs> or just walking down the street yeah exactly, exactly. I, was, I was gonna say now if anyone says to me oh like my friends just have a bet had a baby what what shall I get her and I'm now like book her in for a mummy MOT like mummy honestly too. like it might sound not a glamorous present to give you know give to her but it is something that she will genuinely be so grateful for and it's I think yeah it, it's so and I'm glad we've had this conversation because before we started this podcast, I didn't even know there was such thing as a mummy MOT. And the more we talk about it and the more people who know that you can, you know, if you've got the means to do so, you can book in for one quite easily. And it's actually, yeah. we've both had them. It's over and done within a couple of hours and it's amazing. The process is fine. Especially after kids, I do think like, I think as well as when we just think it's going to be really unpleasant, horrendous. And because mm. so many of the examinations like smear tests and having a sweep or, you know, you know, when you're in labour and they're like, how many centimetres are you? Can you just lie still? And you're like, no, no. <laughs> I can't lie I still. Can't. Literally, I was like, don't make me lie down. But, you know, it's, once you've had all that, you just think, gosh, I just am so over it. But I tell you what, a postnatal assessment, and I've had them myself, so I know that it's not like, I'm like, yay, let's go for another one. But it's just so much simpler and not painful and just empowering really I think that's what women come out being like oh I just I wish I'd done this sooner but equally it's never too late you can be like 15 years postpartum and still have some support but why do we not give special attention to our pelvic health I just think the education is not there and I think it's just generational to be completely honest with you I think a lot of this stuff is still awkward to talk about you know when you start talking about bladders bowels sex intercourse you know whatever it is it's not easy and I think that has just been so generational that it's just taken a long time for us all to sort of stand up and say enough I also think we're living longer so you know you know the whole menopause conversation I think has been neglected hasn't it until the last couple of years and it's just phenomenal to see it being talked about so much more um and I think women are just finally getting to the point where they're like I don't want to live like this anymore like I want to exercise I'm not just staying at home I've got a career to have I want to feel confident in my body and pelvic health is a huge part of that so I think we're, the tides are certainly changing. I mean, I've been reflecting today on just kind of the whole process of writing this book, because when I went through the whole publication, like when your my agent sent it out to loads of publishing houses, so much of the feedback was like, this topic is just too niche. If women wanted to know about this, they would Google it. And I was like, Oh my God. And this is our problem. This is the problem. And this is what we're fighting against. Now, thankfully, I've got an amazing team have took it on and we're like, we'll take the risk. It's it might seem niche, but it's an important conversation. And we've been amazed by the response. But that's the problem. That's the that's kind of the generational narrative that we're fighting against sadly how can it be niche yeah. it happens to I, every single woman exactly. across the globe at exactly. some point during their life that is not niche that is half of the population of the world but yeah exactly it. and also like it's one of those things like you don't want to be the person googling because it's all gone wrong you want to be the person who was informed and knew what was going on like you've just mentioned like you know from teenage years well I wouldn't have even known what pelvic health was when I was a teenager so it it needs it's a bigger conversation than just you know after women have given birth like oh gosh I didn't realize this was a thing it needs to happen before that doesn't it totally absolutely and you know we're starting to see that so now within like 
HSE. That's the right thing. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a parent now. I yeah. should know all about these things. But like that in school, now there is now a clause about educating children. Um, and in guidelines now, it's stated that, you know, 12 to 16 year olds, it says girls at the minute. I'm like, boys need this education as well. But that's a yes. whole nother battle. <laughs> that's a whole nother battle. Let's stick to one battle at a time. But girls should be educated about their pelvic floor. That it's just even a thing that is even mm. there, that bladder and bowel are, you know, what they are and the symptoms that we can experience. Because, you know, we, we know that one in three children have constipation. Now, that is a yeah. pelvic health condition. Mm. That is something that we... So if that's starting so young, and yet we're only talking to women about it, say when they're pregnant, and the average age for women now is in their 30s, that's a long time yes. when there's been a lot of habits and a lot of things. And I think what what saddens me so much is the women that I meet, are like when they're postpartum, they feel like it's all of their fault. Oh, I just didn't do perfect for exercises in pregnancy, or I just didn't do birth right. But I'm mm. like, you also have to remember that, yes, that's one part of the puzzle. But there were also like 30 years before this that probably there were things, whether it be hormonal or bowel or other things that played into the picture of now but when you only mm. have this very narrow view of you know right here right now it, it I think the self-blame comes in a lot more was when we have that bird's eye view where we look at everything I think that self-blame falls away and I think that's so important for women that we don't then start I've done it myself like look into ourselves and think it's our yes. fault because actually it's not mm. no it's really lovely to hear that actually and I think it's going to be a lot of a, a big comfort to lots of people listening especially you know to, to, to people that are really suffering with it and don't really know mm. where to go or where to turn and that blame and that shame there's quite a lot of shame around it which is mm. so weird yeah. I don't understand we need to really bust that apart right let's start the questions George you want to kick us off here we go this is from Tass I'm expecting number two will be 18 months apart advice for pelvic floor while pregnant second time yeah I love that I would just say start with a realistic goal of what you can do because I think what we do too much is we say to women do them three times a day and they're like do you know how much I have going on I have an 18 month old life's wild mm. so I would mm. say to her try and commit to doing say 10 contractions a day for the next week and if you nail that go up to doing it twice a day so essentially it's just the best way to do a pelvic floor contraction is to think about like you're holding in some wind around your anus and then you're just going to bring that squeeze forwards in the body towards your pubic bone I'm doing Squeeze it now. Like that. Yeah, there I know. I was going to say, face. me too. Our faces are like, ooh. Um, just do that and then fully release it. Start with that and then you can build into doing some like holds as well if you feel comfortable. But essentially, it's about consistency, but not overwhelm because it's too easy. And I think what I always say to women is if we set an unrealistic goal at that stage, you're just going to yeah. disengage and we don't do anything. Something is better than nothing. So start small build up build yeah and okay. also um if you think you're doing it sometimes you can because I think I was thought I was doing it and then when we chatted you were like you're actually squeezing your anus so like for ages I was like oh I'm nailing this but actually I was just pulling in my bum hole it's not the <laughs> bum hole it's George it's not the the anus it's it's a different feeling to that you have to bring it forward don't you always exactly yeah, so forward. it's about yeah, yeah it's, it's about kind of starting at the back but then bringing it forwards and especially if you're struggling with like urinary incontinence as well that's really really important can you find okay. it hard do you find it harder when you're pregnant I can't like I can't remember but yeah. is it harder it can feel like that especially right. as you get heavier because it's essentially a bit like weightlifting a baby so it, it definitely can especially things like standing as well but um yeah, yeah just start in sitting or lying on your side is the easiest and then sort of just scale up. The other things in pregnancy that we don't, again, I can talk about bowels until the cows come home, but you need to prevent constipation because ultimately you can squeeze your pelvic floor and do your exercises. But if you're then straining on, you know, and then you've got a baby sitting on your pelvic floor, yeah. it's hard. So if you're struggling with your bowels, I know people are like, I don't want to talk to my doctor. About it. 
do you know that's what doctors talk about all the time like mm, for yeah. me talking about poo bowels is is just like talking about the weather it's just completely normal so just speak to your gp or your midwife they might be something they can give you just to help you and it's so protective yeah speaking from experience somebody who's suffered with constipation my entire life there are two yeah. things that really trigger it for me one is dehydration actually yes. three. Second one is tiredness and the third one is if i don't green juice every day and i put my spinach and you yes. know all of that sort of raw and i get bunged up so quickly and that really affects my pelvic floor so just be on top of your water consumption and stuff as well sometimes they're like oh take this medicine but actually you just need to have a look at those three things totally Mm. absolutely this this is a great question actually is there a genetic link with pelvic floor issues e.g if my mum and my nan etc had prolapsed bladders and weak pelvic floor will i we think yes i would like we're going to sort of developing this as uh more i think more research but there definitely is a genetic link so now again in the national guidelines it states that if a woman has got a mother or a sister or a kind of first family relative who has pelvic floor dysfunction they should be supported in pregnancy with some information about their pelvic health that is in the guidelines yeah new but it's there and this sadly we just don't quite have i say the institute like in like the structure within the NHS quite to fully provide that yet but also I think women need to start asking for it because yeah. the, when, the way services work is when the demand is high they suddenly realize this is needed and then funding starts coming it doesn't always work always the way we think it does so I say to women if you have got that family history be proactive I'm seeing more and more women actually coming through in pregnancy being like my mum has this issue I want to prevent it my nan had this brilliant this is what has to change so asking that question I'm so pleased that was asked there is possibly not it's not like a guaranteed like sign me up here's my prolapse it's not like that but it's a possibility there's obviously other risk factors as well but say for someone who has got that genetic component and then they had a more difficult delivery forceps delivery pushing for two hours also on a history of constipation that together also your genetics might not quite come from your mother more so but there was definitely genetic links that we see that's, that is really yeah. really interesting and also do you know what it's about having the conversations with your mother your mum and this your nan it. and all of that as well because half the time you might not even know if they've yeah. experienced those so unless yeah. yeah unless you ask you're not going to find out for generations change like I think it's like for our generation of mothers we've got to open up to our kids more about this stuff from super young so it's Definitely. not awkward because then I think if we do that we're really empowering the next generation here's another question on the trainers that you can get like obviously mm. there's loads of pelvic floor trainers are there any good ones and if so what are they or are you better off doing it yourself yeah this is a wonderful question so trainers yeah you know devices. like the pelvic floor devices yeah so oh like inter- not trainers yeah. that you put on i was like no. fucking hell, how do you do those what are they, what are they doing <laughs> zapping from your feet yeah exactly um, that'd be um, great <laughs> you mean the pelvic floor devices got it okay. yeah yeah femtech is growing who knows what's next but on the ones that we have so yes devices there's definitely a place for them there's definitely a place for them first of all it's really important that we understand there's two types because i think that's not understood enough so there are stimulation devices which is a probe that goes internally and stimulates your pelvic floor a bit like those old school ab trainers where you stack them stuck them onto your kind of six slender tone slender tone is that what it's called similar similar technology but internally so we're we're building up and stimulating that pelvic floor. The other type of device is like a biofeedback device, which I think there's more of them on the market in general. And they pick up your pelvic floor activity on like a phone or a device, and then you watch what they're doing, essentially. So stimulation devices are brilliant if someone has no pelvic floor activation, like at all, they can't connect with it at all. Biofeedback devices are great for someone who's maybe struggling to 
understand if they're doing it correctly, they need a bit of motivation. However, they're not for everybody. Not everyone needs one as an essential, but they can be helpful. So I always say to women, ultimately, if you can do it yourself, there's no need. But if you want to try then go for it yeah because okay. I had that LV one yeah um and I have to be honest I used it maybe like a handful of times yeah and then it was just one of those things that I was like I think there has to be more thought has to go into doing it because you've got to like get it out you've got to set it up it's got yes. to there's got to be a time where it's just doing your pelvic floor exercises while you're brushing your teeth or while you're cooking or while you're sitting watching yes. tv actually is a bit easier totally. um, to fit in yeah. yeah. What about those eggs? Are they called yeah. like coney eggs or coney eggs or something? Yeah, there's, we haven't got research behind that s- sort of thing. I guess the more right. kind of like less out of a medical device sort of thing. I think ultimately some women will find anything beneficial if it gives them some kind of feeling of like I'm putting something in and I'm holding yeah. it. But I think what's really important for the muscles is that they're, they're dynamic. You never go to the gym and just hold your bicep like that for ages and then get yeah. a toned bicep. So with the pelvic floor, we want the same thing. We don't just want to like have something in, go around gripping all day because that's actually dysfunction in its own way. So I always just say as long as we're getting that movement of the muscle, that would be my priority. Um, this is sad. 34 years old, 14 years since first baby, two times NHS physio. Can I ever get back to not leaking? Oh, love. Hmm. I would say I would hope so. But I think what we have to reframe is maybe we need some a variety of things to help. So, you know, physio is not the answer to everything. And we completely hold our hands up. Sometimes there is injury or things that are just beyond what we can change. But it might be that working on the pelvic floor in different positions alongside an internal device for when you're exercising. Or it might be that we need to speak to the medical team because there are different there's different minor surgeries and then a more major surgeries and so sometimes I have women who are still working with me but we also have something called uh, they bulk the urethra so they basically put collagen into the urethra to help make right. it a bit more bulked so you, you don't leak as much so then sometimes that's quite a nice it's not major surgery but it's a nice way in so I believe there's always hope and it, ultimately we just because physio doesn't work doesn't mean that all hope's gone but like, you might just need some support to get into the right part of the system would be my what answer. What are the okay. surgeries that are available? That would be, so this kind of injecting collagen would be kind of like more basic for stress incontinence. So coughing, sneezing, laughing, jumping. Um, there's then ones like with that have a tape. So they basically insert a tape, which then supports the urethra. That's one option as well. Right. Again, sort of on the next level up. The problem we have around a lot of gynecology surgery at the minute, and you've probably heard about this in the media, is the problem that we've had with mesh. So mm-hmm. uh, yes, yeah. So mesh is what is used in a lot of surgeries. Um, And unfortunately for a number of women, when it was put in the vagina, it's actually then caused more issues because it's essentially, because the vaginal tissues are different to say the abdomen and other parts of the body. Um, And essentially we use our vagina differently to our abdomen. It has eroded through some of the tissues and caused great pain. Now that's not for every person who's had mesh, but there are a a significant number of women that's had a really negative effect. So we've had to put a pause on a lot of mesh surgery, which has been the more complex surgeries around prolapse when some women may also have incontinence. So I'll be honest, in gynecology and women's health at the minute, we're in a real time of change and trying to work out how we support women surgically. Um, So I'd always say to women, definitely speak to the different surgeon that you may be with because they will be able to advise and, and the surgery will be different. But 
essentially it goes up the levels to more kind of complex repair down to a tape down to kind of injections right okay okay it's interesting oh this is interesting any labor tips to avoid further issues with pelvic floor i have issues leaking during my pregnancy yeah great great question i mean i'd say start thinking about pregnancy so start what you know if there's anything you can do now so again doing your pelvic floor until the end preparing the perineum so things like perineal massage where you actually massage the pelvic floor and there's loads of great resources online to kind of talk you through that or I've written about it in the book with diagrams if you look through my book like don't flick it in public because there's a lot of like graphic imaging um (laughs) but it shows you how to do it um and then thinking about in labor ultimately trying to be in what we call gravity assisted positions is amazing like kneeling birthing stool, upright positions, because that just helps the baby to kind of pass down without too much pushing. Um, Those I'd say are generally, and really listen to the midwife and what they're telling you to do. Um, Breath work, really helpful breathing, because essentially the breath, breathing is really connected to the pelvic floor. If we're not breathing, the pelvic floor is not going to move as well, because when the diaphragm moves, the pelvic floor moves. So just getting making sure you're breathing and not holding your breath or a lot of jaw tension can also help your pelvic floor to release and labour. Well, I've got some really weird intrusive thoughts just then about my labours because I laboured, did both of them on my back, you know, yeah. like that. And then it was like, push. And I was like, like my yes. insides are coming out here. It's just awful. Maybe that yeah. was it will contribute part of it as well. Mm. Part. And that's where, you know, women self-blame, but actually we're also coached to do these things. And I can reflect on my first labour particularly, and there were definitely things that I look in hindsight thinking, they that did not help and I just don't Mm. think I was as empowered then as I am now I do things so differently I think we all would right like once Mm. you've done it and my second aid was totally different but it's there are there's so many bits to it that we're not supported enough but I think if you can put those basic things and really advocate for yourself it can make a big difference yeah and just even to know like I same as though like I I was laying down both let both labors I think it didn't even cross my mind to get no. up no. <laughs> I think that's more what it is I, I just yeah don't think it, I even thought about it no. I just laid there all of the imagering, right? If you see someone yeah. in a film, yeah. everyone's lying on their back with their legs up. And, yeah. and again, it's quite it's quite generational that. It was so that yeah. the doctors could see what was going on and could be in control of the situation. Right. So, you know, actually it's not massively physiological of what, intuitively, a bit like when they say lie down for an examination, you're like, no, I just don't want to lie down. I don't want to sit in a car. It feels completely opposite to what your body really wants. Now, look, there's times when we need epidurals. I'm not against pain relief, you know. Yeah take what you need because labor's freaking hard um where it's not possible but then there's other ways that they can sometimes support you by being on your side and stuff like that and you just sometimes you can let it wear off so when you're laboring it you can have a bit more sensation so there are ways and i know there's lots of midwives kind of working on that in the nhs yeah. to try, how do we empower women to be as active mobile as possible options you know at the end of the day tearing happens in all positions episiotomies are needed instrumental deliveries are needed so there's only so much we can do sometimes situations are just situations but I think as a woman if you feel like you've done everything in your power that you can do then the situations that do occur you think okay well I did my did my best yeah just having it in your mind we'll be right back after this short break many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? Emma says, should you stop doing pelvic floor exercises towards the end of pregnancy? This is a really common myth I hear a lot because um, I think there is this, there's this concept that if you're squeezing your pelvic floor, you're making it tight. But like any muscle in the body, a strong muscle doesn't equal a tight muscle. We need muscles to be strong and flexible. So we should always be working on a squeeze and a full let go. And if you're doing that, there's no reason to stop running up to delivery. You're not aiming to make your pelvic floor tight by working on strength. And actually studies have been done that show that there is no increased risk of tearing if you do your pelvic floor exercises up to your due date. So there's no correlation. There's no need to stop. Um, okay. But make sure you're letting go and not just like. <laughs> so we're all busy, but someone here has said, what are the best pelvic floor exercises that I can do at my desk? Obviously, that's quite a good place to do them, yeah. I'm guessing, especially when I need to stop myself weeing when I sneeze. Love her. Yes. I do that. I have to quickly, <laughs> I have to quickly put my legs together and put my like, legs like, do you have yeah, to do, do that as well? Yeah, I do it, definitely. The leg compression. Yeah. So essentially, I mean, the, it's a great place to do your desk. No one should know you're doing them. Um, and sometimes I say to them, put a sticky dot on your laptop. And every time you sort of notice it when you're working, just do five. And it's a lovely prompt just to build it into your day. So like we talked about a little while back, just on that kind of activation, same activation, bring the bring kind of from the back forwards to the pubic bone and let go. And just do that 10 times. Like it is no more complicated than that. I think we overcomplicate pelvic yeah. exercises. It's actually really simple. Do 10 of those. And if you could then add on a later point in your day, a squeeze and a hold for 10 seconds and then release and do a few of those. Amazing. So I just say brilliant time to do it. Introduce a few. Keep it simple. Go from there. Question from my camp. Um, because of the episiotomy, I felt like I'd lost a lot of the nerves down yes. there and there wasn't the brain to pelvic floor connection yes. and I, we, we hear that a lot a lot of women message us about you know problems related to that um and so it was only i i need you know we i needed a think i needed to feel it so that yes. i knew i was getting it in the right position is that something that you hear a lot and if that is you know somebody listening if they're going through that as well what should they do should they use their own fingers can they get their partner to help like how how would you yeah, work that absolutely yeah i think that's just a, what we call a form of biofeedback, giving feedback to the body. So I think we can get that in different ways. Yes, I often encourage women to put their finger on their perineum or internally so they can feel the squeeze. And then the more you get that feedback of like, oh, I'm doing it right, the more confidence. You could ask your partner to do the same completely. Um, we all connect with our body in different ways. So some people are very visual. So like they like putting a mirror, say, look at the vulva and they'll see the movement. They're like, oh, that's right. Some people feel mm. more tactile stimulation. So say when they see me in clinic and I assess them, they're like, oh, I finally get what you're talking about. And then they can translate that into day-to-day -day life. And sometimes they need a, a, like the device that we've talked about, or sometimes they can just do it themselves. So I think that's a really good point. It's, it's finding what works for you. And we all connect with things differently. Um, but yes, I think some some form of feedback in those early days and weeks. The nerve element yeah. is really common. So 
early days, especially after birth, it can feel just like what has happened and there's no real connection. Often it does slowly improve. But as you've pointed, when we have um, pelvic floor injury or tears or cuts to the muscle, the nerves are impacted. Now that can come back over time, but sometimes it isn't quite the same. Or as you say, the mind-body connection has been altered. And that's what we've Mm. got to work on again. So there's so many different ways that we can do that with women. It's interesting. This is this is really interesting because, like Zoe, you said, when you're tired, you feel like your pelvic floor is weaker. This this follower has said, my pelvic muscles seem to get weak when I'm unwell. Yeah, is this common? Yeah, you know, we hear this a lot, and I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm aware of any research that's looked at that. I probably just we have no funding for that sort of research. But ultimately, your whole body is in a kind of more rundown state, and so we definitely see that you know when you're not feeling well or different times, like even just before your period, things can be a bit worse. I think there's a hormonal shift. There's probably like an immune system shift. I think we never fully understand what's going on in the body a lot of the time. But yes, I'd say. It's really common. Yeah, I'd never thought of it, like, ever. Mm. And you said about being tired, and I guess it Mm. makes sense. Your muscles feel weaker, don't they? And sometimes women say, like, I'm totally fine, and then suddenly I have my pelvic floor symptoms again. And I'm like, what took me? What was going on? They're like, oh, well, the kids had been up late at night, the kids had been sick, and I had massive work deadlines. And actually, I'm like, oh, so you were really stressed. And I've had the same before, where I had a small tear, like, quite small. But when I'm stressed, I feel it again in my pelvic floor, whereas... Most of the time, I don't feel it at all. And I can tell. And I think a lot of it's, it's a subconscious body thing where I'm just gripping through my pelvic floor because I'm stressed, a bit like we do with our jaw or our shoulders. Yeah. And there's just a lot of tension there. And when I think about it, just chill out, let it go, the symptoms go away. But the body remembers 100% where things are and where we've had injuries. It's amazing how different it can feel at different points during the month mm. related oh, yeah. to how you're feeling or what's going on. It can feel so heavy at some yes. points. feels yes. like it's going to... F- come out you know it can feel very sort of bulbous or very kind of swollen almost totally 100% and we see that you know and I think we're seeing it more and more and sometimes women will have no symptoms but just around ovulation when that estrogen really rises sometimes the tissues are more lax because there's a lot more estrogen which is kind of really plumpy but also stretchy so women can feel more symptoms then or just before their period actually when estrogen drops really low uh, a bit like with menopause the tissues are a lot drier and when tissues are drier, we also are more sensitive and then we feel things more. God, that's interesting. God. It's absolutely a thing. And women are like, it's so weird, Claire. I was so much better. And then there's just this like few days where I don't know what happens. And I'm like, right, let's track this with your menstrual cycle. And suddenly they're like, oh, it's the three days before my period. That is exactly oh, me. Wow. That is exactly Because I think I'm fine. Like, I'm like, God, I'm absolutely fine. And then I'll randomly go for like a run or I don't know, even a walk. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god what the hell yeah like yeah and it is probably connected with my like with my cycle it'll be so interesting i would say look i don't think we encourage women to track and understand the menstrual cycle enough and just even the relationship to our bowels so again sometimes you're like why are my bowels really wacky this week and why is that because the body like we've got hormone sensors everywhere now the vulva and the vagina have a lot of estrogen receptors so they're very very estrogen sensitive the gut is similar so i mean the gut is also part of our production of hormones so what's going on Mm. our gut is hugely influential of our hormones but everything is incredibly sensitive So, you know, when, you know, sometimes people say I have a really loose tummy just before my period or on my period. It's also partly related to like things like prostaglandins and stuff like that. But there is just so much going on in the body that we just don't ever think about um, that can be influencing our symptoms. And sometimes it's not that we can change that. But I think what helps us as women is if we understand it, say the three days before my period, I may not go on a run on those three days because I just know it's not going to 
make me feel confident because I'm going to feel less confident in my body. But the rest of the month, I feel really great. And mm. sometimes women say, for example, if they're using a vaginal pessary for a prolapse, they won't use it all month, but they will use it over their period. And they just find rhythms of this works for me and that doesn't work for me. Um, so sometimes it's not always removing the issue, but finding solutions to empower you so it actually just doesn't feel so demoralizing when it happens. God, it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that oh, is Oh, it's fascinating. There are a lot of questions around, um, and Georgia, you're a big runner, about running and pelvic mm. health um, and whether it weakens your pelvic floor. Um, um, there's lots of questions here about kind of leaking during running, what can be done about it? Will it get better? Yeah, so we don't really feel that running is bad for the pelvic floor because actually we think activity is really good because there is just natural contraction and movement of the pelvic floor. So studies have looked at the pelvic floor activity with running and there is this kind of um, proactive uh, reactive sort ofness of the pelvic floor that's not conscious so it's just a reaction to kind of impact so that's it we don't think it's bad however we need our pelvic floor to be in the strongest to be strong enough for it essentially so if your pelvic floor is okay running is great and actually can be very beneficial but if you've got weakness for other reasons it, it could cause problems so what we generally say is don't push through symptoms if you're leaking with running we might just need to modify your running so walk run or not as far or things like that but I generally say we need to keep women running because of bone density. It's really important to have impact and lift weights. Um, but pelvic floor can be a big barrier to that. So it's about finding what works for the individual. But it's not mm. bad. It just your pelvic floor may not be ready for it. So if, so for instance, like if you, there's like certain times in your cycle where you feel like your pelvic floor isn't at its best, maybe like that's the time to not run and maybe that's the time to do something else could be absolutely so like a bit of cross training during that time or is it actually that we haven't rehabbed your pelvic floor enough to be able to deal with those changes so sometimes Mm. I say to women you know what that will be our goal that you can run or cycle for now we're not quite there but let's do the rehab let's get it stronger I think what's really important to understand about the pelvic floor is it's like any other skeletal muscle so it's like any Mm. other bicep we need to do progressive overload so in the same way that you'd have a gym program that makes you lift gradually heavier or makes you do more reps pelvic floor has got to be the same and yet what we do to women is just say do a pelvic floor squeezes and then we expect it to function in a way that any other skeletal muscle would and sadly we just don't do the rehab properly um right so that's why i'd say to women is do the rehab properly graded over time hopefully with some support with a physio you can get there like i've had women do it i know it's possible but it's just sometimes committing and, and knowing the stages and also two tips from me never go for a run unless you've emptied your bladder and also mm. if you are leaking during your run just get those they're like lilettes or something I think they're brilliant I use them sometimes it's just really they're not like a pad not like a period pad but just like a little thing that you can put in your knickers and then you don't have to worry about it and you don't feel paranoid about it either because mm. sometimes it is the mind thing isn't it uh, it's that yeah. you think you're you're worried about doing it so then you feel more tense it's almost like you're yeah. clinging on while you run and yeah. that's probably not very good for you. No, because no. the pelvic floor needs to move and respond. Yeah. There's actually a few questions around C-sections and whether mm. or not that still, you know, you still can have pelvic floor, in, like there's an impact on your pelvic floor still. Yes, great question. Um, so pregnancy alone has a big impact on our pelvic floor. So I always say like no one gets off scot-free or can be like, woohoo, I don't have to do anything about my pelvic health. Um Essentially, yes, the cesarean is not stretching the pelvic floor in the same way that a vaginal delivery does. So there is an element of protection there. But because pregnancy is also a big stressor and all these other parts of life, it's not like it's going to protect you for life. You still need to think about it. And I think that's sometimes what happens is women have one cesarean. They're like, yeah, didn't have to do anything about it. They then have another pregnancy and they're like, why am I having problems now? And it's because actually 
there were a lot of other things that were part of the picture. So yes, please still think about it. Right. Okay. So interesting. It's all so interesting. Should we just do one more? Yeah, let's do one more. Um, How to make sure you get a proper checkup at your six weeks uh, check on the NHS. That's from Tass. Great. Yeah, I love this question. So how to do it I think it's really tricky in the state that we're in the minute but I think go in there with any questions sometimes what we need to do as women is lead the consultation slightly is in the sense of often they'll say how are you and you're like I don't know whereas if you go in there willing like you know I'm actually a bit worried about this I'm a bit worried ask them to check your stitches if they're not offering it be like could you actually just check my stitches or could you just check my wound um, and if they're seeming reluctant just say well could I could I maybe see somebody else for a kind of more of a check I think we're just in a really difficult time where since COVID, the women's health check has just been attached to the babies. And I think it's so disempowering for a woman because they're suddenly like, well, what about me? And then it's sort of an afterthought afterwards. So in my book, I literally have put a checklist. I've given you literally questions to think about. I've given you the chance to write it down. I honestly think if you could take that or any just make up your own one and take it with you to the consultation, and say, and do you know what I also think is important? If you don't do it at six to eight weeks, you can always book another appointment at 16 weeks when you finally think, you know what, I've got a bit more oh, headspace. You? I'm, yeah. you know, isn't like if you've got symptoms, you can book an appointment at any point. I think we feel by six to eight weeks if we've got symptoms. If we've That's missed true. that game over, mm. like can't go again. The GPs are there for any symptoms. So even if it comes up later, just go back and ask again. I also think we need to educate. I'm married to a GP, so I feel like I can say this. And I know that they need more support and understanding that pelvic health physio even exists. So sometimes we need to say to them, look, I've heard about pelvic health physiotherapy. Could you check what the services are in our area? Because I'd really like to be referred. Often they're like, oh, yeah, great. Tell me more. And I hear that from GPs being like, oh, tell me about your services or tell me where we can refer to because we've got loads of women. It's not that they don't want to. It's just sometimes that the way things work is we just don't have all the dots lined up. Yeah. 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 It's about asking, isn't it? Like you say, like rather than just going in, I don't know if you did the same though at six weeks and just go, yeah, yeah, if everything's fine. Like I think so. Because actually you don't know if everything's fine. And at six weeks, are you thinking about yourself? Like not really. Like especially first time round, you're just I don't know, you're in this wind tunnel where you're like, I don't really know what's going on. I think it's fine. I'm not sure. Um, I just didn't really know what to say. I didn't really know what to say. I wasn't really sure if they were asking about my body or if he was asking about my mind or if he was asking about my life. (laughs) I was just a bit like, "Uh, well, it's all a bit fucking crazy, but I think I'm all right. I'm here. Uh, yeah, I'm alive. Yeah, yeah. alive. Yeah. I haven't had a shower, but yeah. fine. <laughs> I was going to say we're clean and, and we're, we're clean and we got here, but we wouldn't have been clean. We'd have no been way. dirty. No one. <laughs> um, Claire, thank you so much. It's always such incredibly informative chat. And um, obviously, if we didn't get to your question today, we're, we're really sorry. But there were so many in there. Hopefully, we've covered a lot of bases. Good luck with the book. Thank yeah. you. Go and get it today. Tell us again what it's called. Strong Foundations. Why Pelvic Health Matters. Oh, there you go. Brilliant. The only thank thing you, you need so this autumn. Claire, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, loves. Take care. Claire Bourne, what an absolute legend. I know. She's so great. And I think I feel like there's still so much to learn about pelvic health like we've we you know in the last episode if you haven't listened do go back and have a listen it was a couple of years ago you know we talked a lot about post-birth and strengthening your pelvic floor but this this episode we've gone into like how it links to your cycles and your hormones and stuff that I would never ever have thought of like Mm. so 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 interesting but why are you such a baby why can't I say bum holes without you laughing (laughs) 
Do you know what it is? I mean, I've got a daughter who bloody draws bumholes like for fun <laughs> and gives pictures to her teacher. But um, <laughs> not the bumholes. It's just like when we're having a really serious question and you're like anus, and then you're like bumhole. <laughs> That's what I makes just, me laugh. I know it was medical, and I should have said anus, and I think I did say anus, but then I was like, you can't say anus again. It's like saying wonderful and incredible. You have to keep mixing up the adjectives. So bumholes, anus, brown eye, brown eye. Right, okay, let's move on. Okay, Bucks, Georgia, would you like to kick us off? <laughs> yes, I will. I will kick us off. I don't know why it's really tickled me. I'm actually a child. Um, oh, gosh. Do you know what, what? Something we've both been really enjoying. In fact, yesterday, Zoe was like, oh, have you tried this new Bobby Brown skin tint? And I'm like, yes, I have. I've got it on my face right now. Synergy, it is- babe such a good product we were both sent it we both love Bobby Brown anyway and you know foundation is something that you can get quite attached to I think or like and you don't really switch it up I fully switched it up I'm over like that is what I'm using now oh wow um, all the time for, yeah for day to day yeah I'll just use that I, I really like I really really like it it's really lightweight but I'll use it if I'm you know like yesterday we had meetings and stuff I use it with concealer um, but at the moment it's perfect and I just feel like I just don't really need anything like anything else or heavier um, it's really absolutely gorgeous it. yeah really really recommend Georgia's it, yeah. skin yesterday was so dewy and so glowy it was literally like she's had a facial I mean it looked amazing and I, and like if you are going for that sort of done undone look but mm. you still get a little bit of coverage it's it's perfect it um, so one. I am going to talk about my friend's brand and it's called Netty Nose and she's got got a shop in Weybridge she's so lovely she's one of the school mums but has had boutiques I think for the last kind of 10-15 years I'm wearing one of her jumpers today I'll link it um but you can order it online and it's just really great quality the jumper is super soft it's got this really cool kind of like sequin palm tree on the front of it I'm obsessed with it but if you do live in the sort of Weybridge Surrey area just pop in and see her um because she's got some really cool kind of bits and pieces in there that she curates and pulls in and buys and stuff so yeah I just wanted to give her a little special shout out because that's my new favorite jumper yeah and also we do like to give shout outs to like smaller you know small businesses especially those run by parents so if you have got any recommendations send them our way and we'll have a look as well um as you know if you listen to the podcast at the beginning of the week we are trying to be gluten-free in our house and it is a bit of a learning like a huge learning curve actually but it has been a lot easier I I would say than I thought it would be so we've been trying out like breads and pastas and all that kind of stuff and one um, thing that's been great and the kids haven't even noticed I've bought the gluten free sourdough from M&S and it's brilliant like it even looks like a lovely artisan loaf but it is just it just doesn't have the gluten I really like it you want to get onto the tiger bloomer the tiger right. bloomer that you can get from Tesco's right is tiger bread bloomer and it's literally they just do not know that it's any different it's so oh. soft um, another good tip as well is I make these homemade pizza wraps so you get the gluten free wraps and then you grate cheese and ham and you know obviously a little bit of butter underneath and then you sort of fry them in a pan in these like triangle shapes so all the cheese melts in so they're like 
pizza, gluten-free pizza wraps. That's a good idea. Really yeah, so I'm just nice. learning. So again, if you've got any suggestions or like, you know, really good products, because there are some bad ones, like there really are yeah. some bad ones that taste like sawdust, then please, yeah, please let me know. Yeah, well, you're in the right, you're in the right company because we're all gluten-free in our house, so I'll send you over another yeah. list. <laughs> uh, now, my final product is, I'm going to talk about Foy Hall, which I mentioned briefly on the podcast a couple of um, weeks ago, but it is this incredible hotel that we went to in um, at the end of the summer in Cornwall in a place called Foy which was just absolutely stunning um, completely built for kids but really bougie gorgeous for adults I'm telling you this hotel was the best hotel we've ever stayed in with our children even down to like in the evening there was a cinema room and they left milk and cookies out for the kids and like took them in so you could be sitting having dinner and they were watching a film next door completely taken care of they just the attention to detail was just amazing obviously half terms coming up Christmas and stuff so definitely have a look online because I feel like we need those recommendations when we're going to be yes. travelling with children and places to stay because you don't want to turn up at a nice hotel and they're almost looking down at you for bringing your kids whereas they welcomed them with open arms you know adventure playgrounds swimming pools and stuff so yeah really worth checking out and it sounds like there's enough to do there if you know the weather's like bad or cold or whatever so that's that's a really really great recommendation and they've got a crash there Um, they, they will take the kids completely free for 90 minutes in the morning and 90 minutes in the afternoon if you want to go and have a spa for free lovely lovely so that is brilliant um thank you so much for sending in all of your questions thank you for listening to the podcast as always we'd love you to rate review subscribe and please give the podcast a little follow yeah and if you have got any suggestions for these friday q a's then drop us a message on instagram we're on at made by mummies and we'll be back on tuesday Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.